How do you choose? Should you have red or should you have green chili? Well, Michael Swigert here. Welcome to Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning hatch, green and red chili, boy, is it good. It's from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, the chili capital of the world. Glad you could join me today for a podcast about history and culture in New Mexico with an emphasis on agriculture since three times a day I do use agriculture. They're called breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack in between. The other day I was asked about growing your own chili peppers and It brought up another question often asked of me when people visit or move to our little slice of paradise. How do you choose between red chili or green chili? Well, that's a good question with a somewhat easy answer. What we do is we try both, even try both of them together. And whatever makes us smile, well, that's our winner. Importantly, sometimes as I've declared one to be my favorite, and then I try another one, and whoa, it hits my taste buds just right, and I revise and extend my choices of chili, especially the Hatch Valley chili peppers. Truth be known, I like green chili. I like red chili, and I really, 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 three reallys, like the blend of red chili and green chili. But here's my secret that won't be the same for everyone, but for me, it usually depends on what the chili is enhancing. Often it's the part of the year such as the dead of winter, and I love green chili stew. Not that the dead of winter in southern New Mexico is like winter in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Now that's chili, but it's C-H-I-L-L-Y chili in Minnesota. Still, the enjoyment of Hatch Valley chili peppers is tied to how the plants were grown, how they were harvested, how they were processed by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and what, this is important, what they were placed upon, such as the enhancement of barbecue versus the enhancement of eggs and hash browns. Now, you try the same red chili a day apart, And you'll see that the food brings out the very best in the chili and that the chili brings out the very best in the food. Now, I don't tell too many stories out of school, so to speak, but growing up, there was a culinary battle, subtle one, between my mother and her younger sister. My mother measured carefully while my Aunt Shirley did a dab here, a gurgle there, a splash there, and a glug there. Like my grandmother, Frida, both my mother and my aunt produced meals that were wonderful and both often cooked some of the same foods. But the undercurrent was that you should measure each ingredient or you should trust the glug, as my Aunt Shirley proclaimed. Me, Michael Swickard, well, I follow my mother and for the most part I use the measuring devices in my kitchen. It's up to you, and obviously further research into the measurement of a glug or it being measured is warranted when it comes to this good food. One other aspect of cooking with green chili and red chili, which my family has done as long as I can remember, is that the biscuits, the roast, the special potatoes with gravy, and lots of beans with its divine green or red chili, well, That dinner with my relatives was always ready and on the table, everything together and done at the same time. 
It's amazing, and I haven't done that myself, but I'm trying to learn to do that. That's, that's a talent I really need to get. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. Let's do some New Mexico history and culture. I always like that. When someone in the United States wants to talk oldest this or that, we can start here in New Mexico. The oldest state capital is, you guessed it, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, which was established, the town that is, in 1610 at the foot of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains by Spanish governor of New Mexico at the time, Pedro de Peralta, who also in 1610, a long time ago, built the Palace of the Governors, which is the oldest continuously used public building in these United States. It really started in 1598 when Don Juan de Onate came through El Paso and what is now Las Cruces, with a large group of people. They were looking for gold. Everybody was looking for gold. They were looking to bring the Christian religion to the native inhabitants, and they were looking to establish this new holding of uh, Spain in the New World and to establish it for Spain. It took a long time before Santa Fe and the Palace of the Governors looked anything like what it does today, but it was a start. But now what you need to know is it wasn't a start for people living in what is now New Mexico. Even though we don't have any written records, we know that humans first traveled to what is now New Mexico between 10 and 12,000 years ago. And of course, nobody left a written record, but they left tracks and stuff. Based upon the archaeological evidence and the research that's been done on this, the earliest people in our area migrated from the Alaska area, having been able to walk across the Bering Land Bridge when the Northern Ocean went down and left a dirt trail for a couple of hundred or thousand years, while the very first tribes walking through our area were probably not all that complex over the thousands of years, and yeah, thousands of years, the societies, I can point to the societies such as the Chaco Canyon Society, they were very sophisticated, but they were agrarian and could not control the climate, which over hundreds of years would go from adequate rain, maybe too much rain, adequate rain, to complete drought, which caused these people to migrate in other directions. And many of them went toward what is now the Tucson area for better, better rain. But I'm going to superstitiously contend that there are not very many places in the wilderness of New Mexico over all that years that humans did not tread upon. We found trackways. In the case of the Folsom site, which I talked about a, a week ago, the effect of hunting 10,000 years ago was established. Now back to Santa Fe and the capital of New Mexico. A few blocks from the Palace of the Governors is the San Miguel Mission, the oldest church in New Mexico, and it's the oldest church in the United States. There's many interesting times in the next 400 years from 1610 on to where we are now where things went very well, 
but there's also a lot of times where they went bad. An example of bad, in the 1670s, about 60 years after the Spanish established their control of New Mexico, there was a huge drought in the region, causing all sorts of bad things to happen, including problems with the food supply and security as other Indian tribes attacked. The Pueblo tribes had lived relatively calmly with the Spanish up to this point, uh, despite that there were diseases that caused mortality among the Pueblos. Many Pueblo natives then, with all the problems that was having, they invoked their old gods, since the Spanish gods, they said, didn't work for them. Well, some of the natives were arrested, including a man named Pope who in 1680 led a revolt that pushed the Europeans out of New Mexico for 12 years. The capital of New Mexico then was El Paso for 12 years. Uh, New Mexico was reconquered, and there's a lot of interesting history, but you got to think of it that there's a 10,000 years of history in our little slice of paradise here. And we've not even come close to covering it. You could probably study for years and years. Michael Swickard here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. Here's a little more New Mexico, plus some a little bit of Arizona that comes in with it. In World War II, the United States military was aware that the seemingly unbreakable Enigma machine that the Nazi Germany and the Italians and even the Japanese were using to encode their messages had, in fact, been broken. Not many people knew this. Of course, the, the military, the British military especially, didn't want hardly anyone to know, so it didn't slip out. If it ever slipped out, then the Nazi war machine would quit using the Enigma machine. Well... <clears throat> One of the things it also caused was something else. Since the Allies uh, were concerned about military intelligence, the knowledge that the seemingly unbreakable Enigma machine had been broken caused somewhat of a panic in the United States military. How could they be sure that any message that they sent would be safe from enemy eyes? After all, the Enigma machine was considered so very secure it was used for their top-secret messages. We'll enter New Mexico and enter a civil engineer for the city of Los Angeles who was a World War I veteran. His name was Philip Johnston. Now, he was the son of missionaries and was raised on the Navajo Reservation in New Mexico. He was able to speak what was called Traders Navajo. That's kind of a pidgin language. But he was one of only a few non-Navajo people with enough understanding of the language to see the nuances of the Navajo language. In the early part of 1942, the war had just started, Philip Johnston met with General Clayton Vogel and his staff and demonstrated that Navajo men could transmit and decode a three-line message in 20 seconds. Well, that's compared to 30 minutes when they were trying to use the machines of the time. Well, they did a bunch of tests. <clears throat> May 4th, 1942, 29 Navajo men were sworn into the military, and they were Marines trained at Camp Pendleton. 
Eventually, it was about 400 of the code talkers. They had special training so that they could do what they were doing. The training was so good, here's how good it was, there were about 400 of them, that other Navajos not trained could not ever break the Navajo messages that they were sending. So at the start, there were just a few young men speaking Navajo using the language since it had been discouraged, but very quickly, hundreds of Navajos were recruited. And we understand now that it wasn't just a word for word that you spoke Navajo. It was a code within a code within a code. And the words were never understood by the Japanese. And as I understand it, even Navajo code talkers had to work really hard on the messages. And it worked off the slang that they used and other obscure parts of the Navajo language. But as happens with the sands of time, all of the original 29 code talkers have died. The last one, Chester Nez, died in 2014. Thankfully, there are still a couple of code talkers alive today. And we are so thankful that they stepped in to, uh, to World War II and the Japanese engagement. Just so you know, there's officially a New Mexico certified chili. It has a trademark certification. Some chili growers in other places try to sell their chili here in New Mexico and call it New Mexico Grown. The certification trademark lets you know that you are getting the real thing. <clears throat> Those out-of-state companies do not have the trademark. Look for it. If it's not there, ask about it. New Mexico businesses want to support New Mexico chili, and I'm sure they'll thank you for asking. These podcasts are sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. They have a Facebook group that shares their chili recipes. It's really good. Over 28,000 members. You can join that. It is a closed group, so you have to ask to join, but you can. I've even added a tasty treat of a recipe myself, and um, I think you can do it too. One thing for people living in Las Cruces or visiting here, they can go by the Fresh Chili Gift Shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico for you on these podcasts. If you have something or somebody you'd like me to talk about, write to me, michael at freshchilico.com. Michael at FreshChiliCo.com and have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili like I'm going to do. I always say some chili's good, more is better as long as it's Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.